Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. This episode is sponsored by Rimmel Greenhouse Systems, makers of quality greenhouse structures. Whether you're just getting started or buying your 10th tunnel, Rimmel has a structure to fit your needs. I've purchased and grown in Rimmel houses and would recommend them to everyone. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here with yet another episode of the Thriving Farmer Podcast. This is a special episode. I've got Jordan Green uh, joining us tonight, who's the founder of Farm Builder 2017 The Current, co-owner of JL Green Farm in Edinburgh, Virginia, 2009 to current, a United States Marine Corps veteran, 2004-2009, and a graduate of the Apprentice Program at Polyface, Inc., Prior to that, he grew up on his family's homestead in Virginia and had several successful small farm enterprises. Welcome to the podcast, Jordan. Uh, th- thanks for having me back, Michael. Good to hear you here. Yeah, absolutely. So um, give us a little bit of overview of your farm. And then I think where we wanted to take today's podcast was talking about kids on the farm and making sure they grow up and don't hate it. So I want to give people that before we kind of dive into, you know, maybe get a little off track of that to start off with. But um, yeah, give us a little bit of a, you know, update of where you are, what you're doing and, and what's kind of uh, working. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure as uh, many people might know, um, my wife, Laura, and I started JL Green Farm here in Edinburgh, Virginia, back in 2009, um, doing, you know, pasture-based uh, production models, direct to retail for a lot of what we do. Um, we're still doing a lot of pigs. So we sell pigless to a lot of other pasture-based regenerative farms. Um, sell a lot of pork cuts, a lot of beef, poultry, um, and then value-added stuff uh, from other farms uh, in the area. So uh, on-farm store, uh, we supply farm stands and co-ops, uh, a drop site slash buying club model, and uh, we do drop shipping nationwide. All right. Now, um, COVID was kind of crazy. Tell us a little bit about kind of like what, how that affected you and how it's now going. Yeah, I don't know how it was for you guys, but you know, the last uh, would be like two years plus a few months has just been a, a complete sprint for us. Yeah. yeah. This has been a marathon on steroids and I think everybody's getting a little tired. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Two, two, a couple different aspects of, of COVID is one, um, an initial huge surge in demand for product uh, that then you try to you know, expand out to meet the, uh, the, the demand. And then um, you know, what happened to us and pretty much every other farm was a big drop off after that. Um, you know, for us, we, we still are well above where we used to be, but getting used to that roller coaster ride was probably the, the hardest point of all of that as a business owner is there's just no predictability. Um, you know, sales can vary wildly month yeah. to month, just based on the, uh, the panic in the media for that particular day. And yeah. you know, what, what the shortage of the, uh, the week happens to be. Um, so it's, it's been just a two year campaign of nose to the grindstone, uh, having to stay alert, stay nimble, move, uh, quickly, you know, and, and make changes rapidly and adapt to, uh, a wildly changing market, both on the sales side and the supply side. Yeah. And well, think about that supply side is, you know, it's interesting. It used to be same day shipping for a lot of the things we used to buy. 
And now sometimes it's, um, yeah, that's not available for another four to six weeks, or, you know, it's not going to be available at all this year. So you're having to think about alternative suppliers. Yeah. I just, um, I just called up a real big national company, um, last week to try to order some replacement covers for these, um, you know, shelters that we have out in the field. You know, they got these like vinyl tarp covers and, um, she laughed at me. Oh, no. <laughs> she said, call back in a month. We might have something. I'm like, do you, oh, you know, do you, do you have any of just the units for sale? No, we have none of those. So, wow. uh, you know, currently the, the pigs are on a shoestring shade, uh, yeah. set up right now. That looks like straight out of, uh, you know, Mad Max. Yeah. Yeah. So is that like shade cloth or is that like a white um well no it's just like uh, uh shelter logic you know they have those yeah, like yeah. corral corral shelter kind of things um which are you know usually pretty cheap and they they work really well just you know it's been two three years and some of those covers are all ragged out and we just need to replace them but uh they, they got nothing yeah wow that's crazy and you you look at something like that and you're like why that of all things right yeah because well and it yeah. that, it might not even be a shortage of the fabric itself. Um, everyone's got a huge labor shortage right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you can't find um, qualified, motivated, uh, you know, good yeah. people to save your life. <laughs> it's, yeah. I think yeah. that's was, uh, yeah, I'm wondering where all the workers went. Uh, they can't all have been COVIDed away. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Or, yeah. They've been uh, put in some secret concentration camp somewhere. No, but <laughs> they all got raptured away somewhere. <laughs> yeah. We've actually, you know, we struggled last year and this year's been, we have breathing room now. We're actually not like pushing to hire anybody. Uh, we're running, trying to run as lean as possible. Cause um, yeah, but uh, we are, we've got most of the key positions filled on the farm. Although there's probably two hires. If the right person came along, I would, I would hire them in an instant. Uh, right. So right now we can get labor, but it's not like that super skilled um, labor for management material. It's all just yeah. hourly people. Yeah. Yeah. You can get that by getting a well-qualified, like number two type. Um, you, you just can't compete when the, the construction industry is offering guys 50 to a hundred dollars an hour. Yeah. Um, you know, just to, just to start and, um, you just can't compete with that as a farm. So you have to find those few people out there that do it for lifestyle reasons, as opposed to, uh, to pay reasons. Or target is hiring for $25 starting wage. Right. Yeah. I mean, even local gas stations here, they're starting, you know, just cashiers at 17 an hour. Um, you know, we're, we're having to start, um, you know, just college kids on summer break who, you know, have never, yeah. lifted a shovel in their life we're having to pay 18 an hour and um yeah they, they hey they work hard they show up on time they don't complain and so I, yeah. I can't i can't complain about it much but it is a um a paradigm reset i think for all business owners of what the reality of the new labor market is going to be and yeah. where you need to focus your attention um like you were saying before on you just got to be super lean highly efficient um to, to minimize the amount of skilled labor you have to bring to bear. Yeah. And think about, Hey, what machine can I buy to replace labor? Right. Yeah, or, or, or what change can I make in, uh, you know, how things are done? Um, yeah. you know, just one, one little change we made this year is we switched from, uh, you know, for our sow herd, which was, you know, breeding, breeding yep. pigs 
in, in the past, we'd always done a morning and an evening uh, feed route um, for a couple of reasons. One, you get a little bit better metabolic return on having two feedings as opposed to one. And also you're getting that second management check for the day. Yes. Uh, but, but we've had to go back to just doing one feeding a day just to trim you know, that, that time from the schedule just to uh, keep other things that are more important than, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, feed recovery on your you know, <laughs> conversion ratio. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've kind of had to ditch that and just focus on, hey, what's the most effective uh, and efficient movement of people around the farm? That's got to be the number one thing right now. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this kind of ties in a little bit to the post you did on Facebook about kids on the farm. Um, do you want to kind of go ahead and just kind of share what prompted you to, to have the post and just talk about that? Yeah. So, I mean, it was um, kind of a, a random thing. A, a lot of the posting I do is just the, the inspiration of the moment. It's hard for me to sit down and be disciplined about writing, but you know, when, when, the, when the spirit moves, you know, yes, <laughs> the yes. words will flow. So it was a couple of weeks ago and uh, we were grinding feed, which is something we pretty much do every week. And our youngest son, he just kind of showed up and put himself to work for a little while. And yeah, I took a little video of it, thought it was cool. And later on that evening, um, you know, just had some time and came up with a, a post for it and just put it on Instagram, you know, it links over to, to Facebook as well. And, um, you know, it, it must have pleased the Facebook uh, algorithm gods, you know, just mm -hmm. precisely um, because, you know, a normal post for me might get, you know, three to 5,000, maybe 10,000, you know, kind of reach. And this one, uh, as of today, is at like 3.4 million, wow. um, you know, just rocketed, rocketed across Facebook. I don't, I take no credit for knowing how to manipulate their algorithms, but it, it was, yeah. it was something that resonated with a lot of people and got a lot of shares and a lot of conversation going. Yeah. And it was on the, yeah, what I made a post, uh, the, the text part of it was just how we have approached having our kids on the farm and working in the business. And, you know, both Laura and I are, um, you know, you could say we have a biased opinion on it based from our own life experiences growing up in family businesses and it's, you know, something that we've had, um, you know, conversations about and tried to be intentional with how we're going to approach, yeah. um, you know, our kids working in the business and interacting with it uh, and, you know, finding, finding a way that we can instill some, some work ethic and character into them, but we're not using them as our, you know, child labor force in uh, in the business um both of us believe that compelling children to work in a business is not right um that it, you know it is our business and it should be our work to make that business a success now that doesn't mean that the kids can't work in the business but we're going to treat them like an adult um you know that if they want to do adult things which is you know working um, for a business is an adult thing. And, and this is separate from, you know, the household chores, you know, you got to pick yeah. up your laundry, you got to keep your stuff cleaned up. You got to help with the dishes kind of thing. We, we live in the house. Yeah. Uh, this is that separate topic of working in the business and you know what adults who work in your business, they get paid. So we're going to replicate that with our kids. Um, you know, the kids aren't making a hundred grand a year kind of thing, but they're, they, we want to foster a direct 
correlation in their you know young developing minds that hey the the quality of work that I do and me showing up for a job directly impacts the amount of skittles that I can have yeah. um you know or the uh, you know the the computer stuff that I can buy our oldest son is you know nuts on um building computers and you know playing uh rocket league is his thing right now yeah. which makes no sense to me, but you know, <laughs> I'm not a 13 year old boy him, anymore. Right? That's right. Um, and so, you know, making that connection of, Hey, the uh, advancement that I want for myself in my life is going to be tied to work at some point. And if I work for mom and dad and I do this, you know, things that are outlined for me, I can get paid for it. And uh, that that's kind of been our approach for several years now. And um you know, for better or for worse, that's how we're doing it and how our kids are, are responding to it. So, um, you know, back to the post, it, it stimulated some good conversation about, you know, what's that role that children play in a farm business? Um, you know, should they just be out there to work for mom and dad and, you know, whenever mom and dad need helpers, or should it be something where it's a little bit more organized and laid out and compensated and, and structured? Um, and you know, there's a, there's a wide variety of, uh, of opinions out there in the, uh, in the ether. Yeah. So now you grew up in a family business, right? Yeah. And yeah. what was that business? So, uh, my dad's actually a landscaper. He's had his own landscaping okay. company for maybe 42 years now, I would guess. Um, you know, he had it before I was born and I don't remember the, the first time that I went out to work. <laughs> um, and, you know, kid, kids go out to work with their parents, but it's really not work, you know, yeah. when you're five years old and seven years old kind of thing. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a real dichotomy um, as, as a child working in your parents' business that, yeah, you want to be with dad. And, you know, for, for me, especially as, as a kid, you know, you go work with dad, that's when you can have like the lollipops and the sprites, you know, yes. stuff, the stuff that you can't have at home. You can get the, yes. you can get the sugar when you go out with pops. And that's uh, exactly like it is here, even though my wife doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, sugar is, you know, is the great incentivizer of uh, child labor. <laughs> hey kid, you, Spread this mulch all day and I'll give you a lollipop. Sweet. Good deal. <laughs> yeah. Simon goes with me to the hardware store and uh, he always seems to show we get there and he's like, I've got a quarter. I'm gonna give myself a gumball. And I was like, where'd you find the quarter? <laughs> right. 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 I, I took it out of your truck. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I worked in my parents' business uh, until I was 19 and moved out of the house and went to Polyface to do my, um, my apprenticeship there. And uh, so for me, you know, my childhood and youth was very work centric yeah. um, to the point that even school was a secondary um, priority that, um, you know, if I wanted to get that stuff done, I was doing it in the morning or in the evening um, work a lot of times took, took priority over that. And, and certainly over, um, you know, the, the, the more uh, optional kind of thing, like organized sports or, you know, hanging out with friends or things like that. Um, so for me, you know, my teenage years is, is a memory of work. <laughs> so that was, I mean, it was like 60 hours a week. I mean, like landscaping stuff work. Yeah. Um, you know, it would, it would depend, um, uh, you know, a typical day, especially I would say from when I was 15 on, was uh, during the school year, me doing school from say 
five thirty, six o'clock till mm -hmm. seven or eight. And then we would be out, um, you know, landscaping all day and be back maybe six or seven in the evening and, you know, have uh, farm farm stuff to do then, which you know, was a combination of some of it was um, things that I had going on. So like I had a, a herd of dairy goats that I was milking. So that was, yeah. you know, that was my business. I, I had my little side hustles going on um, as a, as a kid, certainly, mm -hmm. you know, and some of it was more of the, the chores that were family um, type of type of stuff, but it was very typical to be a, 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 you know, I would say a nine to 10, 11 hour day of yeah. working in the family business. Yeah. Now were you, let's in that family business, were you just a laborer? Did your, your, you know, again, your parents are still alive. So some of this might be right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're both still alive. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, you know, my, my dad definitely bragged to me and said I was, you know, his, his number two guy. Um, yeah. Certainly I was, by the time I was 16 or 17, probably the most experienced guy because of, of turnover that you have. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was, a, it was a combination of, it was not a big business. It was usually him and me and maybe two or three of the other uh, gotcha. brothers. Yeah. Um, you know, occasionally he would have outside hired help, but this was, you know, essentially a family business, just not a family farm. It was a family yeah. landscape business. So all of us were hustling the mulch, you know, and edging yeah. the beds and yeah, yeah, digging yeah. the holes and mowing the grass um, type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, our my background was a little different because when we were like 13, we moved to New York. And then like literally the next year, we started with animals. And then that year after that, it was the farm. And so mm -hmm. I ended up kind of being the lead on that. And all my siblings worked for me. Um, I wouldn't say I did that the best. I mean, they got paid, but they sometimes didn't have a choice whether to work for us or not too. So, right, right. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think a lot of their, their memories of me is me telling them what to do or, you know, bossing them around pretty much. So, right. Um, yeah. Which I'm sure is just not, you know, it's not a normal childhood, uh, but yeah. Yeah. The, I think it's something the older I've gotten, the more I've realized how abnormal a, a childhood it was. Um, you know, I had my first um, side hustle business when I was eight you know, delivering yeah. newspapers. Um, you know, what, by the time I was 12, I was doing a paper route for myself every morning, you know, like dark, um, yeah. you know, going out and, and delivering newspapers and then, you know, mowing some yards on the weekend. And, you know, that, that funded my fishing lure, um, you know, expense, uh, expense budget. And, uh, you know, that, that felt normal at the time, but there's a lot of kids who, you know, their, their parents bought them fishing lures. And yeah. so I, you know, I'm not a, I don't believe in, in kind of the um, woe is me mentality that I'm sure yeah. all of those experiences crafted me into the person I am today. So I'm not going to, you know, diss it, yeah. but um, it is an appreciation that it was a very outside yeah. of the, the box type of um, experience growing yeah. up as a, as a kid. And certainly there are things that I missed out on that I wish I could have done. Yeah. So you've got that. My mentors, Paul and Sandy, they have two kids. Um, they, the kids, they didn't, they had to work some on the farm, but they definitely got paid for it. Like their parents maxed out their IR, their, their kids, IRAs or whatever. Right. So, the, uh, yeah. The education fund or, or what have yeah. you. Yeah. 
So they're going to, you know, and, and I don't know, they're, they're, you know, they're going to be set after a while, you know, when, when stuff, stuff happens because they maxed that out, they, you know, that was, that was, that they're going to be pretty well set. But um, I mean, one of their, one of their kids is working still on the farm. The other has his own farm related business um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that came off, came because he worked on the farm and again, both very well adjusted uh, individuals now, but, and it's just interesting the different ways people do it. And some, and I think it too, it depends on, you know, what you take of it. I mean, like you just chose just to keep going and move on with it. And, and some other people really get completely turned off from the farm. And I've seen that where the kids want nothing to do with the parent's farm. And right. I mean, yeah, we know a lot of farmers that are like that. I think it also comes back to, I mean, we don't want the kids to hate the farm. So let's talk through that. I mean, what do you think about being on a farm, made the work? What do you think about that makes kids want to hate the farm? Well, I mean, in my, my own experience, it was more of a homestead kind of thing and not a you yeah. know, commercial farm. Um, but I certainly have a, a lot of friends who grew up um, as being children on a farm. And you know, some have left, some have stayed. I think there's a lot of things that feed into that um, for, for a child. Uh, some of it, I think, is are you compelled to work? Or is it something you're doing as a, as an outflow of an interest that you have um, that, you know, you want to be part of the farm and, and participate there. Um, I think as kids get older and certainly I've seen this in, in friends who have hit like their twenties, thirties and forties is the influence of the decision-making process on the farm that, you know, if you're, if you're 40 years old and still, uh, being treated like a 15 year old on the farm and everything's got to run through dad and grandpa and you can't make a, a decision one way or the other. Well, yeah. you know, two things, one, you know, that, that's a, you would never, you would never treat, you should never treat someone who's working for your farm that way as an owner, yeah. Yeah. but somehow there's this license that if it's your kids, well, you can, you can do that. And you see that a lot. And I think that, that will lead to a lot of resentment of, Hey, I'm still at dad's beck and call and I'm 35 years old and I'm not being treated uh, as an adult. I can't have any influence on the decisions that are made around here. And I'm just marking time till he kicks the can and I can have the place and do what I want. I think another thing to throw out there too, is if the farm is never run like a business that's profitable and you always, it always comes back to where the farm isn't making money and dragging you down as a family, you're never going to want to continue that. I mean, at least if you're smart, you are. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a whole nother topic of, you know, is this, is this farm being run as a business or is this a, a, a subsidized lifestyle that, you know, everybody's yeah. working outside jobs and then we just do this in the evenings and bail hay on the weekends kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the important thing to keep in mind is it's just every farm is such a unique context to itself and the pieces that are uh, brought to uh, to bear on that. Um, you know, for us, the, the decision was, look, this is our business. This is what we want to do. Yeah. Um, you know, it would be great when the kids are adults, if we're still farming then, uh, you know, the, if they want to work in it and be part of that. But our our acceptance and... Um, love and pride of our, you know, in our children is not in any way tied to them working for us. You know, we want them to be successful in what they have passions for and motivations for and not what 
our passion and motivation is. Yeah. In that you just met earlier, you mentioned, okay, Skittles, you get more Skittles, you work, but you also just <laughs> mentioned making sure that you don't tie, let's say your love or appreciation or what they get to that too. So that's a fine line. I think there too, you just have to be very clear on why they're getting what they're getting and, and the different aspects of that. Yeah. Well, I think it's very um, age uh, segmented that, you know, our, our, our 13 year old that works for us, you know, he's making, uh, you know, he, he's making well over $10,000 this year um, working the summer for us, but he's earning every cent of that. Um, and that's very different than say a six-year-old who comes out and basically just wants to hang out with you and helps out a little bit, but you yeah. want to reinforce that, Hey, if you, if you do adult work, which this is practicing for adult work, yeah. then there, there's going to be, um, you know, adult rewards and we're going to simulate that adult reward with, you know, going out to get some ice cream or, you know, the Skittles or, or, or what have you, um, so I think it's knowing what motivates each each child and and what um, yeah you know what, what's an appropriate level of that compensation for their effort being because you know what we're trying to reinforce is that when you work for the business the business gives you something in return you know there's yeah. a a payoff for your effort you're not doing this just because you want mom and dad's approval you know, or to be part yeah. of the family. This is, yeah. even though it is a family farm and a family business, this is not a family dynamic here. This is a, this is a business dynamic here. Okay. I like and that then, distinction. And then when we're, we're in the house and being a family, that is the family dynamic that is, mm-hmm. that is there. And you, you see that a lot. I'm sure you have with the consulting you've done of that bleed over from one into the other in family farm businesses that, you have elements of the business that have the dysfunction of the family being drug into them. And then you have the dysfunction of the business being drug into the family dynamic. And, uh, you know, no one wants to do Thanksgiving with each other and, you know, they'd scream and yell at each other about about different things. It can get, it can get real ugly real fast. If you don't have, um, what's that term, you know, the the Chinese wall between the two um, that look business stuff's business stuff and family stuff is family stuff. Well, and I think the thing that really starts to see is, you know, I think a lot of it can be kept under the rug when you just got a family going out together, but when the kids start to grow up and start getting married. And so the wives start giving a little bit or the husbands start giving a little bit of a better idea of what's going on. They're like, what's going on here? You're doing what for what? So I think that aspect. And so, you know, seeing a family that still has Thanksgiving together, you're right. And they're all in the same business is very different and, and, and very cool to see. Yeah. You have to be, I think it's something you have to be very intentional about the, uh, the elder generation. I'm yeah. going to throw that out there. As the elder generation, you have to be very intentional Yeah. about, um, you know, a communicating that and then backing that up with, with your actions um, that, you know, for the kids, you working in the farm business has nothing to do with whether we're going to love and treat you, you know, well as a child. Yeah. So there is, yeah. So you're, you're always our child. We're always going to love you. If you want to work in the business, there will be different rewards for that work than just being a part of the family. I think that's, yeah. that's right there. That summarizes that. Nelson Carrot, Satakoi Melon, Buffalo Tomatoes, Megatron Leak, 
What do all these varieties have in common? Well, they're all dinosaurs or varieties that were dropped by the trade for one reason or another. So what do smart growers do? Well, they can, they buy a bunch of seed before it goes out of stock and freeze it while they scramble to find new varieties that are gonna work better. But the problem is that eventually seed vitality goes down and the seed is no longer good. Is there anything you can do to revive the seeds? Well, introducing Ultra, an organic seed treatment, or as I like to say, a seed defibrillator. To back up a bit, we were able to get 20 kernels of what we now call Gill Select, a rare Indian corn variety from Gill Sweet Corn Farm in the Hudson Valley. We grew it out, distributed it to a number of farmers, and then life happened. About a decade later, I found the seed at the bottom of our freezer, and we took most of the seeds and tried to germinate them in a greenhouse. Only a few came up. Not enough to have good genetic diversity. Last year, with only a few handfuls left and a Hail Mary attempt, I soaked them with Ultra for 24 hours, then struck them into some trays and popped them into our germ chamber. 72 hours later, we started seeing shoots, and this year, even with an eight-week drought, we had a wonderful yield of corn. We sold some and kept back most of it for future seed stock. I'm confident that we wouldn't have been able to continue this lost variety without Ultra. Here's the best news yet. AgriGrow has agreed to offer a 10% discount to all thriving farmer listeners. Simply use the coupon code THRIVE when you check out. Again, that is T-H-R-I-V-E for a 10% off discount on your first order. Go to smallfarm.solutions for more information. Let's talk about this too, because I know this, I've seen this too, where they say, well, dad is always working in the business. I don't want to have that kind of business because it consumed him. So mm -hmm. how do you make sure you keep that back to that Chinese wall divide of having off farm or just separate farm time? Well, yeah, I think it's, I don't know if that's necessarily the, the um, indicating factor of someone being a workaholic or a couch potato yeah. is a business ownership. You know, I, I know some business owners that never leave their house, mm -hmm. um, you know, that they inherited a business, everything's kind of going along and they're just at home all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they're not motivated to, to get out and function and you know, do something yeah. in the business. Yeah. And, and then, you know, other people who are, you know, entry level type workers who are extreme workaholics. So I don't know, maybe is it, is it a bit of an excuse to blame the business for a parent's busyness? Well, um, you know, like it, maybe that's just who they are, but you know, I think it's, it's for us, it's something that we communicate with the kids about. Cause we've, we've had some of these conversations like, you know, why, why can't we go on vacation and stuff? And it's being honest with the kids appropriate to their age level and saying, look, this is, we are, we are working hard in the business now to achieve this goal. You know, we, we are moving towards this goal that will be a legacy for our family. And this is the time when, you know, dad or mom or mom and dad, um, we, we are doing this for the family and for our, our future together. And, Obviously, having a balance to that, you know, do taking those times to go and do things with the kids, but carving out yeah. ways that, you know, we, we probably spend more time with our kids than um, almost anybody else because yeah. we're, we're around all the time and yeah. they're around all the time. Yeah. It's just that a lot of the time we are working, but they have opportunities to be with us and see how 
you know, how we behave as adults in a work environment um, that a lot of other kids don't get to have. And, you know, back to my own experience working in my, uh, my own father's business, there was certainly a lot of very um, advantageous experience there as, you know, a 10 year old, 12 year old, 15 year old, seeing how, um, you know, him, he as a business owner interacted with customers and how those customers interacted with me and, you know, the little old ladies who want to give you hot chocolate, you know, when you're shoveling yeah. their snow and stuff and just how that uh, dynamic of, of interacting with other people outside of your social network um, works. There, there's a lot of value, I think, for a child to see and experience the business kind of yeah, the, the, the line I'm trying to hold or, you know, thread on this is there's got to be a difference between compelled participation and incentivized uh, participation. Well, I think one thing, too, is that there are so many positive skills and traits that come from working in a business and being around a business that's run well. And that's one of the best legacies you can leave is obviously A, to work hard, B, to critically think and see build a market. I mean, I, obviously there's other ones out there that I missed about here, but that's what I'm just gonna rip off right now and say, you know, having them around that is just so, so helpful for, gives them such a huge leg up. Yeah, yeah, I mean, having a, a you know, an 18 or 19 year old who grew up in the family business um, and wants to stay, man, that, that guy knows so much more than people that you're hiring, especially on a farm. Um, you. You just cannot replicate a growing up around equipment and, and knowing how to operate equipment safely and what are the, you know, the little idiosyncrasies of each piece of, uh, of machinery. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you have someone who spent their uh, growing up years learning how to do that, they run circles around adults. And, you know, I, I, would, I would trust a 17-year-old kid who grew up on a farm operating equipment uh, I would trust him operating equipment far more than a 40 year old who's never been around it. Yeah. My previous farm, we had a, he was 18, but he was our equipment driver and he did a fabulous job. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So far ahead. Yeah. You know, yeah. One of the things like, yeah, just the other day, I, my wife kicked the five-year-old out of the house because he was about <laughs> <bouncing laughs> <out> to <the walls. laughs> like, go yeah. hang out with your dad. So <laughs> you got to come back and we were fixing irrigation, but um, there ended up being a dead rabbit. And um, I think a fox got it, which is kind of unusual because we're an urban farm with neighborhoods all around us. But he literally spent 20 minutes just sitting there, you know, kicking that thing or pushing that thing around with a stick, just trying to figure out, you know, what it was and, you know, right. bugs on it and stuff. But, right. and, um, you know, that's the kind of experience you always remember. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's, it, it's a balance, you know, it's, um, Childhood can be a, a great development zone for learning what work is, um, you know, and, and participating in a workplace. But we need to make sure that that balance is being preserved of, hey, you know, it's fine to go to soccer camp for yeah. a week in the summer. And it's fine to go spend the night over at your friend's house and, um, you know, go to their go to their pool party, um, you know, even though mom and dad are still home working in the business. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can do 70 hours a week in a business, but they shouldn't yeah. be doing. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And one of the, 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 um, one of the leg up we have here is my in-laws are literally six minutes away. 
So nice get to go over there and hang out and they get to take them some places. So, I mean, like I, I tell, if you've got young kids, having that support network is so key. If you're out in the middle of nowhere, uh, right on a farm with little kids, that can be very tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, community is so important and that's such a big part about uh, the, the whole regenerative agricultural movement is, you know, the community of eaters and the community of, uh, you know, the soil and the animals and, and plants. And we need to make sure to, to maintain the community of, of uh, humans you know, as well. If, yeah. if it doesn't, if it, if it can't be reflected in um, quality relationships and quality food, um, you know, and quality experience, then what are we, what are we slaving away for on these things? Yeah. Yeah. Now, one thing, obviously training kids to work hard is important, but you also don't want to scare them off. You also don't want them to be, you know, I just had to work too much. Mm -hmm. What have you, have you found any things, tricks? Have you, um, you know, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, like anything that you're training at, it, it's about going to um, failure mm -hmm. and then, you know, doing one more and then we're done. And, you know, so if if you're wanting to get really good at lifting weights, you know, you're, you're going to train that muscle group to failure at times. You know, not not every time, um, but you're going to have a point where, all right, we're, we're going to do, you know, deadlifts to failure and, and see where where it's at. And so, yeah, I think it, it's different for each kid of knowing what's their capacity and can, can they get pushed just a little bit further to know, Hey, um, you know, I normally don't get up till seven o'clock in the morning, but on this type of day, I'm going to get up at, you know, six or, or at five 30 or, you know, whatever. And Hey, it'll, it, it'll be okay to, wake up a little bit early, roll out of bed and, and go do something. Or, you know, if I'm carrying um, like our, so our, our 13 year old, he's working on the poultry enterprise this year. Um, you know, he started at the beginning of the season, not being able to carry two buckets of feed very well from you know, one part of the field to the other for, for the chickens. And, um, you know, he was asking about it and I was like, you just, you get better by doing it. So put however much you can in the bucket you know, hold it correctly and start walking and then put a little bit more in a little bit more. And, you know, now he can carry two full buckets wherever he needs to go. So it's, you know, showing them, knowing what their limit is, respecting that, and then saying, all right, well, we want to get you better at this. What, what's the next step that you can do to get better? Yeah. Um, you know, we're not going to take, we're not going to take that, uh, that child and say, all right, you need to go run a marathon today. And, you know, and he's, yeah. <laughs> he's never run more than just a little bit around the soccer field. Yeah. Um, you know, having kids in a business, it's a training experience for them. You yeah. Know, they're, 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 yeah. Oh, certainly. You know, yeah. you, you want a master course in hands-on leadership, have a gaggle of children working for you yeah. on something um, because, you know, they, they don't, uh, they don't BS about stuff. No. You know, they, they will straight up ask a question yeah. or, you know, they'll show their emotion on something that they won't, you know, that they, they won't be as um, hidden about what their feelings about it as, um, you know, as adults might be. Yeah. Um, and then also just setting the example, you know, if, <laughs> if you've got the kids out in the garden pulling weeds and you're, 
sitting on the you know the patio sipping a pina yeah. colada you know what kind yeah. of example are you setting for the kids um yeah. so it's working with them saying hey you know taking time to stop and explain the why and here's why we're doing it this way and this is you know the, what the result of that's going to be and then saying you know okay well you know you can carry two half buckets well watch me carry two full buckets and you know set set the bar for them kind of to uh you know to to rise to as as yeah. they grow yeah Absolutely. Um, what talk about what success looks like? Do you like lay out what success looks like for your thirteen-year-old and what, what his job is? Is that something you've clearly communicated? Yeah. So you know, we vision? for him, you know, this was we had a conversation, you know, over the winter uh, during the school year uh, of saying, "Hey, we know you have these things that you really want. Um, you know, you want this two thousand dollar computer, and you know." this mouse that has, you know, 5,000 clicks per second here or whatever, um, things that I could care less about, but are very important to him. And, uh, you know, this is the way that you can achieve those goals. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I want to work. And they're like, all right, well, you know, we have a work agreement that all of our employees have. And so, you know, we made one up for him that, Hey, this is the responsibilities um, that, that you're going to have, you're going to work underneath whoever is running the poultry enterprise. So you're going to be, um, you know, responsible to them for what they're having you do and, and working with them. You're going to work with the butcher team, um, you know, and, and kind of laying out, all right, this is how much you're going to get paid for the whole season. And, um, you know, these are the standards that we're, that we're going to hold you to just like you're an adult, because, you know, especially at 13, you, you're really into uh, some, some heavy training in, adulting hopefully by that point uh but you know in in his contract it also says justin will be gone for this week for this camp he'll be gone this week for this other camp and um you know his supervisor knows that and we know that and we're gonna have to to cover for that because we don't want his summer to be just working away um you've also laid out hey with your your pay that you're getting we want you to put at least this much of it into savings for, you know, a truck or whatever your first vehicle is going to be. Um, we want you to give some of it, you know, whether you're giving it to like, you know, a children's hospital or, you know, some other, some other charity. And yeah. then this, this much is going into your, um, your account. So, I mean, he has two, two bank accounts, you know, how many 13 year olds, do you know, that have two bank accounts, but he has Very few. a savings account and he has his, you know, let's say operating account. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, he's had to he's had to learn some lessons about managing the money that that is there. Um, you know, a month or two ago, he was like 20 bucks short on what he wanted to get the whole build out for his computer. And he's like begging and pleading for the extra 20 bucks. And they're like, well, no, because you spent money on this, you know, a few weeks ago. And so now you're a little bit short. So you're gonna have to wait till the, me- you know, the next payday to have enough for what you want. And you know, of course, in the moment might get a little emotional and yeah. um, you know, upset, but the, you know, it's, you, you got to stand fast and say, Hey, this is, this is how it is being an adult, man. If you don't have the money for what you want. And uh, he, he's also, he loves to argue and debate and, you know, troll a little bit. So he's like, well, I could just get a credit card and you know, <laughs> like, well, no, well, no, mom and dad are not going to let you do that. No. Yeah. So, yeah. You are, you are setting the guardrails yes. as the parent of this is the zones that we're going to operate in. Yeah. Um, but you know, inside of here, Hey, if you want to spend your discretionary money on getting a computer, 
that's fine. If you want to spend it on, you know, getting a dirt bike, that that's fine. It's kind of whatever, whatever your particular interests and tastes are, that's the, the direction that we're going to allow you to, uh, to flourish in. Mm-hmm. Talk about micro enterprises. Cause I know that's something that, you know, some kid, I have another friend that has multiple kids that are working in and around his business and they've all chosen to do their own micro enterprises. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it's great. Um, you know, our two other kids are uh, very entrepreneurial and their micro enterprise has been painted rocks. You know, so they're, they're very crafty. And so they paint rocks and they sell them in the farm store for a dollar or, you know, some of them are even like three or $5. And then they, they guilt trip customers into buying something. It's it's all about the guilt trip. I mean, my daughter sells bouquets of flowers and she just stands and say, Hey, look at my beautiful flowers. And then they have to buy them. Right. I mean, like our, our eight-year-old son, he makes robots out of empty Gatorade bottles and, you know, and, and sells these robots. And I was like, no one's ever going to buy that. Turn up, he, he sold them. Yeah I, yeah. I don't know if he's gotten full asking price for them. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but yeah, they have these other little things going and that's certainly something we want to, uh, you know, encourage them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say we're, we're not at the point where any of them have a, a real serious side hustle where, you know, they're having to order stuff and manage yeah. cash flow and, uh, but you know, maybe that'll come in the, in the, in oh, the yeah. coming years. Yeah. 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 Um, now what kinds of things do you do to make sure you enjoy the farm or enjoy with the kids? Yeah. I mean, that's a uh, million dollar question. <laughs> yeah. How do, how do you enjoy the farm and enjoy the kids being with you? Um, to me, I think it's a, it's a balanced thing you know, that there's times that the kids come out and we can have a good time, but there's certainly times where, um, you have to say, Hey, this is, uh, I need to do this myself. This is not a situation where you can be with me. Um, you know, this is a dangerous thing or I going to be gone for a while or something like that. And you just, you can't come. Um, and you know, maybe just have something else for them to do or, uh, having a way to compensate for it. But, um, you know, like we, uh, every, about every week now are driving to Pennsylvania with loads of pigs to slaughter. And so they're kind of on a rotation who gets to ride with me, you know, yeah. for that trip. They're not doing any work at all. They're just coming along for the snacks, but you know, that's yeah. time that they can, they can spend with dad. You know, and there's other times where I'll bring them along and, um, you know, have a little project that they definitely can help with. Maybe we're going to pick up a bunch of small rocks and throw them in the gator and go dump it in a mud hole on you know, yeah. one of the farm lanes. And that's something that they can definitely help with. And so it's just trying to work in, you know, work in those times that they can be with you. And, um, when you need to say, Nope, I got to go do this and, and you can't be with me. Um, you know, cause farming yeah. is certainly a dangerous occupation and, you know, and there's things you don't want children you know, you, you don't want children being around when the disc vine is running you know, or, yeah. or round balers, you know, things that can cause bodily harm uh, instantaneously to them. Yeah. Um, you know, you and, dad, you can't ride on the tractor with dad for these tasks, but you can ride when daddy does this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're not going to stand on the forks of the tractor going down the road. That's, that's just <laughs> not a, not a good idea. Yes. Yeah. What think for a couple of years, what do you think that looks like? Have you thought of that? Yeah. Um, 
one of the things Laura and I have had a lot of discussions about is especially in the next say five to 10 years. So, you know, we have a 13 through eight year old mm -hmm. and the next five to 10 years is really that formative years for them uh, moving into being an adult. Yeah. And it was a discussion we had a couple um, months ago was, you know, what do we really want the next five to 10 years to, to look like? Do we want it to be uh, an experience of us uh, doing 12, 14 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, to keep a large farm going? Um, or do we want to make sure that we have mechanisms in place where we can prioritize those experiences as a family and doing things together, um, you know, educational things, recreational things, um, you know, adventures? Um, you know, what, what's going to be, what are we going to look back in 10 years and say, wow, that was, that was a good 10 years that we spent there. Or are we going to look back and say, well, we just slaved away for another 10 years on the farm. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so for us, you know, I think we're really leaning towards the direction of, Hey, we want to make sure that uh, experiences that neither of us really got to have as, you know, that 10 through 18 year old, um, that we're, we're providing those for our kids. We're participating with them and, um, you know, guiding them into that early adulthood. That really is, I think, what our priority is going to be. And we're going to make the farm fit around that instead of making the, uh, the family fit around the farm. So, you know, yeah. where that pans out in three, five, seven years, I don't know. Well, we'll just have to see, take it as it comes. So you intentionally take a step back or do less on the farm to make sure that your kids have those experiences that they're going to remember. Yeah. I think it's a redirect of what the priorities are mm -hmm. of, Hey, we're, we're going to, you know, instead of pushing to, um, you know, capture that next big customer or acquire that next farm or, or what have you, um, we're going to say, Hey, us doing these things as a family is the priority and let's, then tailor our annual business plan around that and, you know, see what those pieces put together, um, you know, shake out to be so that, you know, if we want to take the kids to the Grand Canyon, we can do that. And we're not tied yeah. back home because, well, you know, dad decided we're going to raise another thousand pigs this year. And, you know, here we are doing pigs again. Yeah. Yeah. Or we've got a butcher chickens every two weeks. Right. Yeah. I mean, what do we want the kids to remember that do we want them to remember having, um, you know, working certainly, but having fun and experience with mom and dad, or we want to just be, yeah, we worked the entire time. Yeah. 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 There's that aspect of, okay, we worked hard and that earned us the Grand Canyon. And I think that's something for them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Any final words of wisdom before we go, Jordan, this has been a great conversation. Oh, I, I don't know if these are words of wisdom. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're just, yeah, it, it's the funny thing. Maybe you can relate to it. You know, that as you uh, move through, you know, your 30s, I just turned 40 uh, a month ago, yeah. um, that, you know, you, you realize that all the adults that, you know, were that age when you were growing up, they're just kind of figuring it out the same as you were, you yeah. know, or as you are. You're like, well, okay, I'm figuring out uh, 35 now. All right, I'm figuring out uh, 40 now. Yeah. Um, yeah, adults don't have it all figured out. We're, we're basically all just a bunch of big kids um, making our way through life. So yeah, yeah, for us, it's just setting what what's the priority going to be and what's this all about. And um, 
you know, most importantly, if you're just talking about it from the business standpoint of, hey, it's not a sustainable farm model if the only way you can make it work is by having your, you know, 10 kids be the labor force in it. Um, you you got to make it work with adults and adult wages and all, yeah. you know, everything that that entails. And the, the kids are here as a training program for them to be good adults, not as a labor pool for, um, you know, my business to, to uh, even exist. Um, well, I think you nailed something right there because around us, there's, you know, everyone talks about the Amish tomatoes and the Amish beans and there's no way we can compete with those prices. And the reason those prices are is because they have those 10 kids and they're not paying those 10. Right. You, you can't sell tomatoes for 50 cents a pound. What's wrong with you, Michael? I, <laughs> I, I actually was talking to someone to yesterday, was it yesterday or Wednesday? And yeah, yesterday. And he was saying he thought his cost to grow a pound of tomatoes was $5. And he's a very good grower. And so I respect that. But yeah, I mean, and that's what he thinks he's going to have. He has to charge to make money. He said, that's my lost leader. And I'm like, my gosh. Um, yeah. But yeah. Well, and it's, uh, you know, I think it's something that everyone carries a little bit of responsibility for that us as producers, we need to be managing the business and, and pricing accordingly and educating the consumer. Uh, but also as a consumer, you carry responsibility that, Hey, you know, the, the way that you're spending money, are you supporting child labor? Yeah, that's, it's a big thing, especially in uh, textiles of, you know, hey, are these clothes or are these boots coming from child labor, you know, overseas or, um, you know, are these, um, uh, shoot, what do they call them? Conflict minerals, you know, yes. con- conflict diamonds, are these child laborers who are, um, you know, digging this stuff up out of the yeah. ground and, you know, some other country, um, the child labor yeah. Teslas. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know about that, but <laughs> we'll, we'll let Elon figure that one out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and we, you know, a lot, a lot of the world has been built on child labor. Mm-hmm. And you look at photos of child labor in the United States and in the coal mines and iron mines and, and all that. And, you know, it, it seems that agriculture is kind of the last uh, bastion of child labor, um, you know, the, the amount of regulation that's non-existent for kids working on farms is quite shocking. I'm not saying yeah. we need more regulation, but maybe what we need is just more uh, responsibility taken both as producers and consumers that, hey, yeah. you know what, maybe the reason that, you know, those tomatoes are 50 cents a pound or those eggs are $2 a dozen or, or what have you is because there's an army of children out there working to produce that food. Yeah, so. I, I, you, I think you hit it right there is that, yeah, personal responsibility aspect because I think neither of us want more regulation, but it's something that needs to be talked about. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting because we settle a pretty high-end grocery store and they're, they're very well-known, let's just put it that way. And they talk about how much local stuff they buy. And so I finally figured out their local strategies. They literally just go to the local Amish uh, auction. And yeah, produce auction. Pallets and pallets and pallets of product at, you know, prices I can't even touch. Right. So anyway, just interesting, to, you know, as you start to figure out the. Yeah, there's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a dark underbelly that that's out there, uh, you know, of 
child labor and immigrant labor and you know basically an exploited workforce in uh in agriculture that uh you know there's a reason that cheap food is cheap yeah and there's a reason why if you look at the government won't touch it because of how yeah of how it affects different people in the government sure yeah <laughs> Well, Jordan, this has been a fun conversation. Thanks so much for popping in and being willing to do this. And uh, hopefully, again, hopefully this is something that few people will find helpful. You know, it's helpful to me as I, you know, I have a five, a seven, even a 10 month old and, you know, a couple definitely, you know, five, six years behind you start to think about, you know, they're interested in the farm, but how do we make sure that my seven-year-old, she's all sorts of entrepreneurial. My five-year-old, you can, you, you have to drag him to take the compost out. So, uh, <laughs> yeah yeah it's so, you know yeah. fostering and um and growing and training adults is what we're doing and so yeah. just trying to do trying to do the best that we can uh, and you know certainly think these are these are topics that need to be uh need to be discussed and certainly there's a lot of interest out there to discuss them yes which shows by your post well jordan thanks so much we will link to that post it's on your that's on your facebook your jordan green like yeah. public Facebook page. So go yeah. there, check that out. Yeah. And we will link to that in the episode so you can check out what he did. He posted, but again, yeah, Jordan, good deal. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Michael. Take care. This episode is sponsored by Rimmel Greenhouse Systems, makers of quality greenhouse structures. Whether you're just getting started or buying your 10th tunnel, Rimmel has a structure to fit your needs. I've purchased and grown in Rimmel houses and would recommend them to everyone. there you have it. Another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.